following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of... Yeah, it's that bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1999's The Mummy, directed by Stephen Sommers, starring Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz, John Hanna, Arnold Valslow, and Kevin J. O'Connor. The Mummy is a 1999 adventure film. It is a loose remake of the 1932 film of the same name. This film currently holds a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? In 1923, a group of archaeologists stumble upon a tomb at Hamunaptra. Inside this tomb, the group finds the body of Imhotep, Pharaoh Seti's priest and one-time lover of Seti's mistress. However, when the group accidentally brings Imhotep back to life, the results are fatal. Okay, the mummy. So we have a special guest on this episode. Three-way pod. Yeah, the return of Kevin. And we're having our second brush with Mr. Stephen Somers and Mr. Brendan Fraser from that glorious G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, right? You love that movie. Glorious right? is a great way to describe that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about it. Okay, so what's your history with this? I saw this movie in the theaters. I uh, regret it infinitely. To, but to I, this day? <laughs> to this day. I, well, I, I regretted seeing it in theaters as we were watching it. I forgot a lot of the plot points of this movie. It wasn't very memorable for me, which is weird because it was like really, the movie's like just nonstop action. So, you know, I, I was surprised I didn't remember a lot of the story, but that's that's just how it was for me, at least. I didn't see this in the theaters. I never saw it before. I actually did see The Mummy Returns um, in <laughs> theaters. Why? Why did you do that? I think you dragged me to it, actually. Yeah, we saw it together. I remember that. I remember sitting next to you. Wow, Joel, you're a great friend. <laughs> uh, so that was a disaster. So, you know, I had nothing but high hopes for this experience. Although I did also ride the Revenge of the Mummy ride in Universal Orlando. You love that, right? Which is yeah, an awesome was, ride. Yeah, I actually heard that that was like really, really cool and a lot I'm of sure fun. it was better than this movie. Way better. I've seen The Mummy before, but I don't remember any of this. Like, it was in one ear, not the other. Like, I forgot all of this. So I've seen The Mummy, and I've seen The Mummy 2, but I didn't see 3, and I never saw The Scorpion King. I so. saw The Scorpion The Rock. Yeah? He was unbeatable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. Discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, Brendan Fraser. I don't know. I, he's just every time. Every time I look, what do you want me to say about him? He, <laughs> His mannerisms and his facial expressions and his acting are like very forced over the top and just like kind of plasticky. I might take some heat for this, but I thought he was good, actually. I'm actually going to agree with you. I thought he did a pretty good job here. I think he he played that role the way it was supposed to be played. It was yeah. an over-the-top movie. He played his character over the top. I thought he looked really good shooting. Really? I thought it looked really realistic. You know, most of the other people in this movie looked really dumb shooting. I He pulled it off. I think he pulled off this 1920s big macho guy. I think the, he did a good job with it. He was the best part of this movie, right? I mean, he was out there having fun. Yeah. Okay, so like he does he does fit into like I guess that part in the movie, but like have you I, I don't I don't think I've seen him actually play any other character in any other movie. Like besides that over the top. Have you of. not seen Monkey Bone? <laughs> oh, you're right. I Blast from the Past? He he played Furry the, Vengeance? All right. He played the Ink exact Heart? same character in Tarzan though. Like he was this character in Tarzan. You mean George of the Jungle? Whatever. <sighs> Get your Fraser right. <laughs> Get out. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't really care for this guy. <laughs> Dudley Do Right. That's the same thing. Right there. <laughs> you have like a love affair with this. <laughs> bedazzled. Same thing. Oh yeah, bedazzled. Oh, bedazzled. He, I actually liked him in that. I really liked him in With Honors. I thought that was a good movie. The hell is that? That's a good movie. Oh okay. <laughs> no, he does a good job acting in that movie. I recommend that one to you. Okay. Look into it. Yeah, Brendan Fraser. You know what? He did a good job. He gets a lot of heat these days, but I liked him in this. So whatever. All right. Next up, Rachel Vice. She was uh, <laughs> at the trot. Yeah, she was. She was looking phenomenal in this. I'm gonna say she looked the best than I've ever seen her look in this movie. Better than the fountain. Way better. Well, Joel, that's incendiary. Well, how do you, <laughs> how do you think she acted? <laughs> uh, this was by far her worst role acting. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> what? This is her. I'm like getting like really negative. Like, okay, she like yeah, rein it in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna rein it in a little bit. Um, she she spoke a lot, but I don't think she really said anything that was of you know purpose to the story. I I think she. What was her character it was supposed to be like? This like very nerdy kind of like she's a bookworm. She, yeah, I mean that was very believable. You know, I, she definitely played that off well. So you can see the the makings of the actress that she's gonna become, but she's still pretty young in this role. Yeah, right. I don't know how old she is in this, but she was pretty young um and i think she she played that damsel in distress role you know as, as good as you can play it i guess yeah i thought so she, she was okay i mean what did you guys think she's of no cameron diaz but you know whatever thank god what did you guys think of the chemistry between fraser and vice that's a good question way better than jumper chemistry that's for damn sure you think they were a good on-screen couple no i wasn't really feeling that no there wasn't any heat you weren't feeling no love. but that i didn't really think that was really where this movie was trying to take you yeah steamy yeah and then fraser yeah. I needed some 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 hot Frasier on Frasier action. Yes, they just, just duplicated the clothes and have him making out with himself. <laughs> I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for everybody that is not in the room with us right now, Joel <laughs> fell out of, my out of his chair laughing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next up, John Hanna. He played the brother. He was the most likable character in this movie for me. He reminded me of Russell Brand as Arthur. Nobody else agrees, but no. that, that's who I thought he was. I just watched that two yeah. nights ago, and I completely disagree with that. Yeah, him. you're wrong. I'm yeah, right. I don't, I don't agree. Clearly. No, you're, no, you're Well, okay. What do you think of this guy? Everybody had this like slapstick comic relief side to their character, but his uh, a lot more so. And I don't know. It was very enjoyable to watch him. He was he was funny. He, he seemed like he was like almost drunk the entire movie. That's why I said he's got like Arthur. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was kind of an everyman, I guess. He, he wasn't sounded heroic. like Russell Brand. He was in these crazy situations, and his response to that was just to drink. Just like me, which is why I could relate to his character so much in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked him. I thought he, he brought some life to this. I mean, every single character in this movie is kind of comic relief. So he, I guess he was at the top of that. That's like really weird. Like, I remember watching this the first time around, and I don't remember that aspect of this movie at all. That like, There was so much like slapstick This is a big slapstick movie. Yeah. Okay, uh, next up, Arnold Vosloo. He he was the mummy. Now, I must confess, before we watched this movie, in my mind, I was absolutely sure, dead sure, that the mummy was played by Billy Zane in this movie. Now, why would I think that? Looks just like him. Yeah. Okay, so the mummy, what do you guys think of his performance? He was decent. Yeah, it was all body language yeah. and stuff with him. Yeah, he was all right. It, nothing special. All right, last but not least, Kevin J. O'Connor. He was like the squirrely villain guy who kept double-crossing everybody. Oh, yeah. He, he played that stereotypical role. Yeah, he was very Just, To the T. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I guess that's it. So let me give you guys the history of The Mummy. This history is pretty long, but it's pretty interesting. So, okay, here we go. In 1992, producer James Jacks decided to update the original Mummy film for the 1990s. Universal Studios gave 
him the go-ahead, but only if he kept the budget around $10 million. The producer remembers that the studio essentially wanted a low-budget horror franchise. In response, Jack recruited horror filmmaker-writer Clive Barker on board to direct. Barker's vision for the film was violent, with the story revolving around the head of a contemporary art museum who turns out to be a cultist trying to reanimate mummies. Jack recalls that Barker's take was dark, sexual, and filled with mysticism, and that it would have been a great low-budget movie. After several meetings, Barker and Universal lost interest and parted company. Filmmaker George A. Romero was brought in with a vision of a zombie-style horror movie similar to Night of the Living Dead, but this was considered too scary by Jax and the studio, who wanted a more accessible picture. I'd like to see any of those movies. Yeah, I, I really would have preferred to have seen the, the first movie that you described. That sounds way more interesting than what I did see. Okay. Joe Dante was the next choice, by the way. That's the guy who did Gremlins. Increasing the budget for his idea of Daniel Day-Lewis as a brooding mummy. What? <laughs> Imagine that movie. <laughs> oh my God. Like he's like a method actor. Like would, would, would he like sit in Egypt and like he'd kill himself? He'd, kill him. <laughs> he'd just wrap himself up in gauze for like three years. <laughs> Moan in a basement until he felt like he was ready. Okay. This version was set in contemporary times and focused on reincarnation with elements of a love story. It came close to being made with some elements like the flesh eating scarabs making it into the final product. However, at that point, the studio wanted a film with a budget of 15 million and rejected Dante's version. Soon, after Mick Garris was attached to direct, but eventually left the project, and Wes Craven was offered the film but turned it down. Then, Stephen Somers called Jax in 1997 with his vision of The Mummy as a kind of Indiana Jones or Jason and the Argonauts with The Mummy as the creature giving the hero a hard time. Somers had seen the original film when he was eight and wanted to recreate the things he liked about it on a bigger scale. He had wanted to make a mummy film since 1993, but other writers and directors were always attached. Finally, Somers received his window of opportunity and pitched his idea to Universal with an 18-page treatment. At the time, Universal's management had changed in response to the box office failure of Babe Pig in the City. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's phenomenal. That's so good. And the the loss led the studio to want to revisit its successful franchises from the 1930s. Universal liked the idea so much that they approved the concept and increased the budget from 15 million to 80 million. Filming began in Marrakesh, Morocco in May 4th, 1998 and lasted 17 weeks. The crew could not shoot in Egypt because of the unstable political conditions. To avoid dehydration in the scorching heat of the Sahara, the production's medical team created a drink that the cast and crew had to consume every two hours. Sandstorms were daily inconveniences. Snakes, spiders, and scorpions were a major problem, with many crew members having to be airlifted out after being bitten. (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing at that. Just like in Waterworld, Brendan Fraser nearly died (laughs) during during a scene where his character is hanged. Oh. Oh, really? Vice remembered he, he stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. What? So it sounds more realistic than what we actually got in the end product movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he actually like was hung and like died. <laughs> yeah, so just like kill him. <laughs> and, then, and then and then we didn't even get to see that version of him actually die. <laughs> this movie was all a big ruse to murder Brendan yeah. Fraser. <laughs> the studio paid eighty million dollars <laughs> just to kill just to Brendan, kill Brendan Fra- Fraser. <laughs> The production had the official support of the Moroccan army, and the cast members had kidnapping insurance taken out on them. This is funnier if you picture the studio trying to kill Brendan Fraser. They had the support of the Moroccan army. A fact that Somers disclosed to the cast only after shooting had finished. The film went on to gross how much worldwide? 80 million budget. 350. 
400. Kevin wins. 415 million worldwide. <sighs> okay, The Mummy. Where do we begin? This movie starts out with like a really long-winded um, narration and... Uh, Just like G.I. Joe, right? Yeah, it's like really, really long and I don't remember any of it. So it was something like no one can touch the Pharaoh's mistress, but then our mummy, they're having an affair, right? Yep. And that's what led to him being killed and turned into a mummy and they put a curse on him to make him immortal, right? Yeah. And then they, they gave him all these powers. They gave him all these godlike powers. They buried him alive, threw all these beetles in there, these scarabs. And Not ate only that, him. but they gave him like all these people as slaves. They're like, and here's some slaves. If anyone was ever to open the sarcophagus, he would rain fire and death upon the world. Why would they give him these powers in the first place? Does it make any sense? Is that a punishment? He didn't even rain fire and death like as like a curse for anyone. He was just trying to get his body back and like resurrect. Yeah, have sex yeah, with some have, girl. Have sex with, I yeah. can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, can't, so bad? I, I can tell you how many times I wanted to rain fire down on the world because I couldn't find this really hot chick. I was definitely sympathetic towards the mummy throughout this movie. Yeah? How I so? Mean, he was a victim. <laughs> He was the victim? <laughs> He's just trying to get his lady that he loved. Their love was taboo and forbidden. Yeah, but the, she was probably a slave to the pharaoh to begin with. Uh-huh. I don't think he courted her. What do you think of her outfit? What was it, just like a fishnet? Oh, yeah. She was She was covered in gold paint, too. She was very, She's pretty attractive. She was very attractive. I didn't even think that that was fishnet, because like when she was touched, it got all smeared, right? Oh, it was just like body paint? I thought paint? the whole thing was body paint. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah. That, that, Kinky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th nice. I, said they, I said they did it in Egypt. <laughs> nice. She dies, and he is going to go resurrect her. And then we we got our first shot of one of the best special effects ever. Now keep in mind that this is during the same time period as the Matrix. They're like a couple months apart, I think. And we get this amazing shot of the concubine's soul, I guess, coming out of the underworld in this black bubbling ooze. Kevin, you really like this special effect. It was one of the worst <laughs> special effects I've ever seen. Kevin, you love this special effect. <laughs> <laughs> the, the water looked terrible. Was Wave that, race wait, 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 wait. Was that water? It was supposed to look like water, right? Maybe it wasn't water, Maybe but it was like, supposed like to tar. have the consistency of that. It was a liquid. But then it, turned, then it turned into like smoke, right? <laughs> didn't didn't have like mist coming around it as it was trying to go into her body. Yeah, it turned into a fog eventually. <laughs> It eventually evaporated. Well, like, uh, like I keep it was comical. Listen, well, like I keep saying, Wave Race '64. It didn't it was even look worse that good. Than that. It was worse than that because Wave Race '64 had like reflections and light bouncing <laughs> off of it. This, this, this just looked like an amorphous piece of Play-Doh slithering around up onto like the sarcophagus. It was, you know, the Matrix had the same effect, didn't it? Like when Neo touched the mirror. Yes, yeah, but it worked. Okay, so this scene, whatever, ends with the, the the high priest getting buried alive and cursed, like we said earlier. We're shown Brendan Fraser's character in like a uh, epic battle against all of these raiders. Um, yeah, he's in the Foreign Legion. Yeah, he's in the Foreign Legion, but he's the one who's doing, you know, he's the one who's in the wrong. He's trying to, I guess, find treasure at uh, Hamunatra. The city of the dead! Ooh, but it's lost forever! <laughs> now, when they showed Brendan Fraser's face for the first time, Kevin, you had a, you just burst out into laughter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm overcome with emotion. <laughs> That's the same reaction you had when he appeared in G.I. Joe. You yeah. just started laughing. 
Yeah, you, you started laughing. Well, isn't that your instinct, right? I mean, every movie he's in almost, that's it's supposed to be comic relief. Yeah, he's a likable chap, I guess. I enjoy him. Yeah, so he's fighting in the desert, and like we got our first uh, CG sand face. That, oh. Yeah, that burst, burst out of the ground. You know, anyone who was alive in the 90s saw this trailer for this movie a thousand times. We all know that iconic shot of like the sand face. That's coming up later, the actual shot, but like we got our first glimpse where like all this sand starts busting up out of the ground and we like sad face comes out it reminded me of like the face on mars yeah no it looked almost exactly like it like an on mission to mars specifically uh, that movie remember that never seen it uh, you oh you're missing you you're lived. missing you out haven't lived <laughs> <laughs> what was weird about this uh, this effect and what didn't make sense to me was this mummy is supposed to be like cursed and like trapped like through like some series of spells or magic. Oh, his, why is his, why is Brendan Fraser waking him up by like standing on top of like this statue? Yeah, that, that, that must have been a hell of a. They did a really great job back in ancient Egypt. Like his power can extend out of the out coffin. Of, yeah, no, it can extend out of the sarcophagus and get up onto like <laughs> Brendan, Brendan Fraser apparently like walking on his. Why like, even bother to to imprison him then if that's the case? Yeah, well, like I don't understand like Brent. Brent Ben Frazier's there and that's like upsetting him. Like I don't get it. He's like, <laughs> like sand starts shooting out at Brendan Fraser like he's yeah. pissed. Is is he even imprisoned? Maybe it's that key that keeps him locked in there. Otherwise, he'd be able to just get himself out. That right? kind of reminds me of like Vigo and Ghostbusters too. Remember, like he just oh. walked out of the painting. He's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nothing better than when a movie throws out its own rules. We are then introduced to Rachel Weisz, nice little comical slapstick scene. Yeah, yeah. She uh, knocks over all the bookcases. Oh no. Why? Why are bookcases in libraries always stacked like dominoes? Perfectly aligned to make an amazing array. Right. Yeah. Perfectly. Every single bookcase went down. I thought it was impressive how they set up those bookcases to fall down perfectly like that. You know, I think that was there to set up Rachel Weisz's character as being like a clumsy goofball. But did that really come into play in this movie? No. Not really. Her brother was more goofy than she was, yeah. I thought. Yeah, no. I think it was just like that that aspect of her character was supposed to fit in with like Brendan Fraser's, you know, polar opposite, like very gung-ho-ness. Maybe that was like a holdover from the other 800 versions of the script that just like let Maybe. that in there. Maybe. We also get introduced to Ben Burnett. Nike. This is way before QE3. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I've seen that actor a lot before. Yeah, so have I. And I can't think of a single thing that he was in. Yeah, like I can't pinpoint this guy. All right, all right let's do some detective work. He's that guy. We also get introduced to uh, Rachel Weiss's brother. And like the way that we, they introduce us is like he like picks up a corpse and like throws it at Rachel Weiss. It's like really bizarre. Yeah, after like laying in the coffin with it <laughs> for a while too. He plotted this. He was in there for a while. He must have been in there for like 15, 20 minutes before he popped that thing up to like throw it at her. And then like, and he's like, come on, sis. And then like, he like puts his head up to her face like he's going to kiss her. Like it gets like really romantic. Like it was Kevin, an sexual you... embrace. Oh man, it was uncomfortable actually. All right. The name of that guy that we've seen in a million places, but we don't know his name. His name is Eric Avari. And you may know him better from a little film called Daredevil. He he played Electra's dad, I think. Oh yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Okay. They essentially find this map and Rachel Weiss has been studying like ancient Egyptian history and she can read hieroglyphs really well. Okay. So the map is hidden inside of the key that opens the ancient forbidden sarcophagus that holds the mummy. Why would you put the map 
up in there. Like to tell people, hey, this is where he is. Come come get him. If you want him to be in there forever, why'd you make a key? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what was the point of the map, right? Because Brendan Fraser knew where this place was. Yeah. All the Americans that are later on the boat, they all know where they're going. Yeah. And none of them even need a map. Well, there's also like these thousands and of, of raiders that know where it is. And the, yeah. the entire, it seems like the entire country of Egypt knows where this place <laughs> it, is. It's not a secret. <laughs> you don't need a secret map to find this place. Yeah. So they take like a boat to get there and we meet like the rivals who are the Americans and they're these rowdy guys. And it's like a Mississippi river boat. Yeah. That, it was so weird. I, I didn't like know where they wanted to have this scene take place because there was ragtime music playing in the back. It's like, yeah, they're playing poker. And they're playing poker and they're like taking shots of whiskey and there's cowboys on there. I'm like, what movie am I in right now? <laughs> they're on this boat. It catches fire. You know, I actually kind of like this uh, flaming boat sequence. Like, there's this pretty good sequence of fl- slapstick where Brendan Fraser is, has his back up against the wall and these bullet holes are slowly hitting the wall. Yep. And right before one like hits him in the back of the head, Rachel Weisz like pulls him out of the way. I thought that was pretty well done. I have to give him credit. What do you think about the guy running around on fire? He was on fire for like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, he was. And, like nothing, ha- nothing happened to him. <laughs> he just kept running from room to room on fire. <laughs> and and keep in mind that this is the same movie where like someone gets covered by bugs for like literally 0.5 seconds and they're like just bones. <laughs> Yeah, but I agree. That was a good action piece. The whole boat scene was pretty good. You know, I might as well say this now because this movie is two hours long and it's split up pretty much in half, completely 50%. The first half is them trying to get to the mummy and the last half is the mummy doing his thing. At first, when we were watching this movie, I was like, come on, let's go. Let's get to the mummy already. But now that the movie's over, I've come to realize that that first half is the best part of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And like when the mummy actually shows up, it just goes downhill completely. Like this first half of the movie is actually like fun and exciting you think it's because it's like actual realistic like it's steeped in realism that's probably why yeah and it's, it's not reliant on the special effects which I'm sure we'll talk about but they're not the strength of this movie yeah all the slapstick stuff is in this first half and like you get to know these characters a little more endearing I don't know it, it seemed like these are two different movies almost it's really interesting that you say that the first half we're trying to get to the mummy and then like the second half the mummy's doing his thing for me it was like the first half I'm like come on we're trying to get to the mummy and then the second half the, just like the characters are trying to get away from the mummy I'm like I'm trying to get away from this mummy this is horrible like, I, don't wanna, I, wanna get, I wanna get this over with and get away from him okay so the Americans and uh, Brendan Fraser they're in a race to get to Hamanabtra this ancient city and they go to this empty spot in the desert and uh, Kevin how, how about you explain uh, what happens next here well they meet they meet the rest of the people that jumped off the boat and they're all just kind of hanging out and waiting and the sun starts rising and as the sun rises somehow it just <laughs> mystically reveals this city that was hidden from them just seconds earlier, despite the fact that it was it was well lit. It wasn't like it was night and, and yeah. you couldn't see anything. Somehow it just gets revealed now. Right, so, so there's, like, there's like a whole mountain range, too, that yeah. shows up. I'm like, what? <laughs> so a couple of things may be happening here. So either A, it's in like an optical illusion mm-hmm. and, and like the sun kind of breaks it. B, the city existed in another dimension and the sun brought it back. Uh, no, it's not B. <laughs> we're, not, we're not traveling through dimensions here. Or C, there was some sort of invisibility spell cast upon it. What do you think? And what, the, the sun's rays cut right through the invisibility? Which makes you wonder, like, that's not much of a spell. If all it takes is the sun to rise, right? That's not very hidden. It's like, it's, it's visible every day. Maybe it could be an allegory for Set, who is the god of the dead and keeping things hidden and invisible in the world of the dead, and Horus, the god of sun, Whoa. revealing the true nature of all things. Oh, look at this. The next Ebert in our midst. <laughs> 
<laughs> so they get into the city and they're looking around. They go into this kind of uh, cavern or something. And Rachel Vice has got an ancient Egyptian mirror. And she does something really, really annoying. I, oh my God. You know, in the afternoon, when like a ray of sun is going like through like the window in your house and you can see like dust floating in it, that's essentially like what's coming through this like little hole in this cavern. It's like a little beam of light. And she takes this mirror, this shiny piece of metal, and like within half a second directs it perfectly onto like a series of like a very elaborate array of mirrors and lights up this entire cavern with the equivalent of like a, a nightlight brightness. It was pretty much like someone flicked on the lights at a baseball field <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> a single ray of sunshine. It may bring some peace to your souls to know that the Mythbusters tackled this. I saw an episode where they did this. Thing. They had a clip from the mummy and they tried to recreate this to see if it's even possible. No. And then they had a I already, already know the answer to this without you telling me. The answer is no. It's like, guys, you were really wasting your time and my time. Like, like, we already know that this is not possible. They're running out of myths to bust. <laughs> yeah, it was myth busted. Hollywood myths. The Americans, they find like this coffin and they, they, they crack it open and it's booby trapped and like this poison fart cloud comes out. <laughs> and, like, it, it kills these guys. All right, so like the guy who was originally going to murder Brendan Fraser, he goes with them into the tomb and he finds on the wall like a hieroglyphic of a guy screaming and there's all these like uh, beetles on him these three dimensional beetles on the wall and he's like oh blue gold <laughs> the rarest of the gold yeah, it's blue <laughs> By, by by far the rarest of the golds. Yeah, and he starts plucking them out the wall with his knife. That reminded me of the... Oh, I know what you're going to say. Say Dude. it. Say it. I know exactly what you're going to say. It was from Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It, was, it was that stupid It was the rule of the, of, of, of the pharaohs where like you have to put your body up against Ooh, the wall. The kids would always lose. They would never get it right. It was like almost like straight out of that show. I don't think any of our foreign listeners would know what the hell we're talking about. Sorry, but the, the show Sorry, is horrible. <laughs> the show is bad, though. This like, movie could have used a little Olmec. You know in the last season of that show, there was like a big hole in Olmec's like, yeah. <laughs> animatronic face, and you could see like the moving parts. <laughs> Just like the mummy. <laughs> All right, yeah, so he plucks the the beetles off the wall, and, like, they pop open, apparently, and they they contain magical scarabs that have been alive or encased It looks like 3,000 years. They, like, come out like they're hatching. Yeah. Like they're eggs or something. And they crawl inside this guy, and the effect <laughs> of the beetle, the scarab, going inside this guy's body and crawling around, it was very reminiscent to me of, at the end of The Matrix, when Agent Smith had all those ripples going through his body. Mm -hmm. Kevin, you had a thing to say about the special effects here, right? It looked terrible. Terrible, especially in, in comparison to The Matrix, like that same scene. It looks so much better. That was like, there's like a hundred different Beatles kind of going up Agent Smith at that point. Yeah, you're right. right? Yeah. This was one and it looked terrible. Oh yeah, so it crawls inside this guy's body. He runs away screaming into the night. I assume he died at some point. We don't know. He just hits the wall and... <laughs> Kind of knocks himself out. Yeah, I guess it ate him from the inside out. I don't I know. Mean, we like, never find out. Like, it's insinuating that the beetle's eating his brain, right? Because it goes up into his face and then disappears. So I don't think it's like hanging out in his sinus, giving him a sinus infection. I think it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so Rachel Weiss, she finds this inscription somewhere in hieroglyphics about the mummy. And it says, death is only the beginning. Time is but a doorway. Death uh, is but a window. I'll, I'll be, be back. back. Yeah, this, this should put Vigo in this. <laughs>
I wish I wish the bad guy in this movie was Vigo. I played by the Vigo guy. <laughs> 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 and a throne of blood. A throne of blood. Season of evil. <laughs> One of the Americans, he finds the Book of the Dead, and Rachel Vice steals it from him. She cracks it open using the key, and then this movie goes and rips off Evil Dead by having Rachel Vice accidentally read something, and it resurrects the evil presence. I, I was like, "Whoa, this is ridiculous! This is how they're gonna do it? Like, this is it?" That's Especially not- since she was she was versed in all of this stuff, right? She's yeah, not- she's an expert. Yeah, like why why would she do that? The other she's- guy clearly knew. She's not an expert. You're she right. Didn't- he did. He he was like, "What what are you doing?" No. She's not an expert. She didn't get accepted to the program, if you recall. That's because she had a lack of adventure. This is academics. Oh, yeah, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> you don't have any experience fighting mummies. We can't, we, you can't join our program. By the way, what are the odds that the very first spell on page one resurrects <laughs> the most unholy evil? <laughs> Line one, page one, verse one. Why even have the rest of the book? <laughs> yeah, so the mummy comes out and we get to see like what at the time... I guess was revolutionary special effects of this mummy kind of shambling around. What do you guys think of these effects of the mummy? Uh, I wasn't really impressed. I mean, I'm looking at this over a decade later, but even at the time, was that really like groundbreaking? I know, I know they showed it in the trailers nonstop. <laughs> that was like they're like, it's happening, guys. The future is now. Well, I'll say this. I mean, this is a year after Lost in Space. It looked better than that damn monkey or that stupid metal oh, Agent Smith. Yeah, definitely. Agent Smith, Dr. Smith. (laughs) (laughs) You can't get Matrix off your mind. Yeah. All right, so The Mummy comes back, and I think I'm going to compare this Mummy special effects to a movie that came out like in the 80s called Hellraiser, and that has a scene in it where a guy comes back to life, and he's all like flesh, and like his muscles are exposed, and that looked amazing. Like, it looks really good. This is pathetic looking, because back then, they used like practical effects. This looks like crap, because I think they really wanted to have that, that muscle wiggling around, and like being able to see through his skin. But it just wasn't there. You think that if they did this today, you think it would work? Are we there yet for the, the effects? Yeah, I, I think we are. It depends on which production company is working on it. I think some could do it and some definitely. I mean, I, remember, I, I see CG now and I'm like, this is not believable. Like like something like District 9, like that works because it's an alien. Yeah. But that's he's supposed to be a human being. So we know what humans look like. I was thinking of District 9 actually when you said that. But I mean, it's, it's a decomposed person. So it doesn't look like a real person, right? Mm. It could look like like a weird alien. Yeah, but I think like people are have like a general idea of what that should look like at this point. I mean, at least people that have seen movies. So the mummy is, is loose. Yeah, the juice is he's, loose. He's, he's running you, a rampage right. through the pyramid. Um, and he happens across his first victim, which is an American whose glasses had been smashed and he can't see anything. The guy is pretty blind. The mummy takes his eyes. Of all people, he decides to take his eyes. The blind man's eyes. Makes no sense. <laughs> they make a point of showing how poor this man can see. They show, like, point of view from him. can't see anything. He is, I mean, he's legally blind. I don't think anything applies to this character. He turns into sand when a cat comes up. Like, when a, when a cat shows up, he turns into a sand tornado. Yeah, his power levels are on a real sliding scale. It's like, whatever the whatever the screenwriters need him to do, like, one second he's an almighty god, the next second, Brendan Fraser punches him in the face. <laughs> Who knows? I, I I couldn't tell what his limitations were power wise in this movie. Well, they they had him sneaking around the town like you know dressed up in like robes. Why is he sneaking around? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he can turn into mist and like travel underground <laughs> and like why is he dressed up? And then why does he need this this rat character to like be his liaison? Yeah, yeah. What was the purpose of that? <laughs> okay, so the mummy brings Moses cursing. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was Moses cursed. <laughs> yeah, he cursed it with Moses. Like Moses shows up. Oh God! No. So from the from the outset of this movie, it looked to me like the movie The Ten Commandments. I, it was actually the first note I took, and then lo and behold, after the mummy gets released and is bringing his hellfire down from the sky and, and rivers of blood, it winds up being pretty much all of the plagues from The Ten Commandments. And I, I have a bone to pick with this. First off, why would this Egyptian guy do like these things that Moses would do? Like they're not even the same religion, right? Not only that, but he's, he's like a demon. So <laughs> he's, he's like pulling the power of God and like making doing the same stuff that like Moses did. Doesn't make any sense. Who is he punishing? <laughs> and then why is he punishing them? He they they released him and he wanted to get out. Shouldn't he be like rewarding them? It's like thanks guys, thanks for letting me out. You know, locusts. Like wh- why? Yeah, you know. Wait a minute. Wasn't his his whole mission was just to get his girlfriend just, back, girlfriend. right? Like why are why are like boils showing up and like locusts? Like what's the point of that? Bearing did these curses have on the movie at all? None. None. What was the end game? <laughs> So, like, was he going to revive his girlfriend and then... Destroy the world so they would have nothing left? Yeah, what was the point? Or was he going to be like, all right, we're all cool, everyone? They just wanted to be together, right? Yeah. Yeah. What was his motivation? You know what, what, Kevin? I think I'm on your side now. I feel bad for this guy. He just wanted to be with his girlfriend. Thank you. He just just wanted to be with his girlfriend. I don't know where the locust came in, but... (laughs) (laughs) And then he started shooting meteorites. (laughs) Yeah, why? Why? Hey, by the way, how'd you like the way the mummy would always open his mouth really wide? <laughs> sure his jaw would drop, like like the monster in Legion. Kevin pointed that out. I, I burst out laughing just about every time they did that effect. Well, what would you think of it? Was that the best effect in the movie? It was terrible. <laughs> it was like Gumby mouth that would just <laughs> drop down and hang there. <laughs> it reminded me of the mask, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. But like worse. <laughs> Like, much worse. Oh, oh, uh, magic manhole. (laughs) 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 Oh, by the way, magic manhole. There's a magic manhole in this movie. (laughs) This is one of my last notes. Who wants to discuss that? <laughs> Brendan Fraser and team are cornered by the townspeople who have been possessed they're by... like zombies now. Yeah, they're zombies. That must be the George Romero little leftover from him. Mm. Essentially, they try to escape from these this entire possessed town by mowing them down hilariously with this car. <laughs> <laughs> they hit the equivalent of the Egyptian fire hydrant. It's like this water tub for horses and camels, and it shoots water... But it shoots water up in the air for like a few seconds, like, a, like it's a fire hydrant. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> they jump out of the car and they're, they're cornered. cornered. They're, they're out of, they, they don't have any weapons. There's way too many people. And then out of nowhere, Brendan Fraser just picks something up off the ground. Like, a, I'm like, did he just pick up a trap door in the middle of this town? And I, I guess. They're in Cairo, right? Yeah. They're, they're ancient. No, no. They're in 1923 in the middle of like, in like a desert yeah, city. Yeah, random town. And it looks like it's like 1984 Manhattan. They picked up like a sewer grate and just like, all right, guys, let's get out of here. Bing. <laughs> they jump into the sewers. Yeah, we never even see them come out of the sewer. Like, what, what happens there? Yeah, did they, did they show them in the <laughs> no, sewer? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a portal they teleported through. <laughs> it was very Mario Brothers to them. 
All right, so after this, they hop on a biplane and they fly through the desert. And then we get the the big famous shot from this movie that's in the trailers and the commercials and the DVD cover and everything. This is like the most important shot of the movie that you associate with this thing. It's when the mummy makes a sandstorm appear to attack Brendan Fraser in the airplane. And he makes this, like his his big goofy face appears in the sandstorm. <laughs> Doesn't it like wink and smile? Like, like hey guys, like, <laughs> Kevin, how'd you feel about this effect? Every time they did an effect with sand, I thought it looked really good, except the times when they put the stupid face in it. Yeah? It made it look really stupid. But like when the one scene when he's spinning around the room. Yes. Before the face comes out, it looks really good. <laughs> it actually looks like sand. And and I'm comparing this to the stupid liquid stuff that we saw earlier, which looked terrible. But somehow they, they captured sand pretty well, I think. Okay. You know what? That's like a really good point. The sand effects and that liquid soul effect. It looks like they're from two different movies. Yeah, almost. Absolutely, absolutely. I wrote down a really important note here around this point. <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> uh, what do you have to say about that? I, I wasn't bored. I was frustrated, especially like like you just said when he was shooting the machine gun at the sand. I mean, this whole movie <laughs> shooting guns is so pointless. Yes, they, they have a weapon against this guy. It's a cat. Yeah, there's, there's it's a, a cat. A simple cat. Yeah. Before all this happens, uh, the mummy sees a cat and he freaks out because cats are the guardians of the underworld, apparently. But they only use it as a weapon like once. Not only that the cat like actually hisses at him like it's going to attack him like it actually could damage him yeah exactly it, i think it could have worked they should have all been walking around with cats <laughs> a cat in your holster instead of a gun <laughs> you just throw a cat at him was i bored i fell asleep what you did you had a power nap yeah i nodded off a little bit towards the end there i, I actually was feeling really tired like at the end when all like that stuff was happening i am wide awake now though so it was absolutely the movie <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it had nothing to do with like it had nothing to do with like me being physically fatigued like the movie was boring and I'm just like and it's an action movie should we even talk about the ending of this movie I mean nothing really happens of note nothing's really important Kevin just took his notepad and threw it over his shoulder because he has nothing more to say I don't think the end of this movie actually ties anything up the ending is exactly what you thought would happen they confront the mummy they they beat him the end we get this amazing special effect shot one more thing of the yeah one more of the liquid of the liquid that Kevin was loving it it was perfect and then we get the fight scene which was very reminiscent of the Jason and the Argonauts scene yeah this is just a bunch of fluff like you know what this was Steven Sommers practicing for G.I. Joe because all this stuff at the end was just a bunch of pointless action that meant nothing Mm -hmm. and he would take that and expand it into a full movie in G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra what happened at the end of this movie I don't even remember (laughs) like did Brendan Fraser get Rachel Weisz I don't you know I saw you you were watching the movie like your eyes yeah they just just glazed over I guess like I don't even remember was I was I watching the movie because I don't remember you were having a disassociative fugue state. You're just like, <laughs> I was, you repressed this memory. No, I was actually, I was going transcendental. I was, I was accessing the Bardo consciousness. Hey, I don't even want to talk about it. Like whatever. Right. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually beat her off. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We need to talk about the very end. All right, go ahead. So they, they, they find this, this other golden book. They defeat the mummy. They escape out of the pyramid. The mummy dies. They're in a pyramid? I, I thought it was a pyramid. Wasn't it a pyramid? I, I thought it was just an underground layer. <laughs> an underground layer. That was a pyramid. I just assumed. I just assumed. <laughs> okay, so they're in this thing, and they're escaping as it's collapsing on itself, yeah. which is 
some really good technology for ancient Egypt. Yeah, they just happened to have the lever to do that, right? Just in the middle of this pointless room, right? Wasn't it in the most nondescript place? Yeah, it, it, it just one lever brings this whole thing crashing down. It, it makes no sense. Why isn't that in the throne room or whatever? Like, not in, like, the yeah, hallway. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, whatever. So they, they escape out of there, Indiana Jones style, sliding under doors. And despite the fact that Brenda Fraser came in a plane and Rachel Weisz was brought there in, like, a sandstorm, there's <laughs> a group of camels just waiting to be ridden off into the sunset. Where did those camels come from? I think the the guy brought them. The uh, the the raider kind of guy. He came with them on the plane. Yeah. Oh, crap. Where does horse come from? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a better question. Where? Why is he outside? Like He's like, good job, guys. I'll yeah. see you next time around. And he, like, winks at them and, like, gives them a camel. Like, <laughs> I thought he died in, in the pointless action scenes. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. The jokes are lame, forced, and stretched thin, as is the romance between O'Connell and Evie, and both seem like unwelcome interruptions from the main story. Sandra Romani, City Search, a potpourri of special effects that forgot about dialogue, acting, and even set design. Harvey S. Carton, CompuServe. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. CompuServe? 1999, guys. <laughs> AOL. <laughs> <laughs> Prodigy. <laughs> Harvey, CompuSA. <laughs> It's like, what? <laughs> okay, and finally, a weightless, instantly forgettable picture. Robert Horton, film.com. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, it actually is good. <laughs> I kind of agree good. with that. No, no, I, he's right. I instantaneously forgot. I'm like, what happened to that? <laughs> okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? 55%? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. That's like spot on for this movie. Um, I don't think 55... Man, we've reviewed some shitty movies on this show. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith with 55%, I think, are in the same zone. Yeah, but, you know, same problem with that movie, though. Like, towards the end, you just forget yeah, why they, it's they even don't have, happening. You're right, that's a good point. Like, these movies, they have a first act, they have a second act, but the third act is just like, what's going on here? That's good, though, but yeah, it got the same score. It got like half, which is, I, I think is pretty fair for this movie. It's a 55. This is half a movie. This is half a movie. Good point, Kevin. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a pretty accurate score for this movie. Um... I, I think I liked it a little better than you guys did. I think they were going for a very specific type of movie here, and it was a remake of an earlier movie. And I think they tried to keep that innocence almost. Yeah. There was a lot of slapstick humor, which you pointed out, Joel. It wasn't supposed to be a modern movie, like a contemporary movie that we would see today. It was it was supposed to be as if they just refilmed the movie that was filmed back they in the 40s They wanted to do Indiana Jones. In the 40s or something. It's the same thing. That's Indiana Jones right there. So I think for what they were going for, they were pretty successful with it. But um, you guys are right i mean it, it, as soon as the mummy shows up this thing kind of falls off the cliff which is unbelievable because it's called the mummy right <laughs> everything without the mummy is pretty good but when the mummy shows up this movie falls apart so yeah i, I liked the stuff in the beginning would i you, just liked everything else would you rather have seen a movie about the quest to get to the mummy and the movie just ends when the mummy shows up yeah how about i would rather have seen a movie that didn't have a mummy at all and it's just two teams of adventurers trying to get an artifact that's it they made two. readers of the lost ark yeah yeah they, yeah they, they, yeah they, 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 they that movie. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll, hey, let's watch that, guys. <laughs> 
No, but yeah, but like I'm saying, like the first half is the stuff that I liked and the mummy stuff was just boring. It was just wasn't good. Okay, so what was your score? I'm probably going to give this movie a light three out of five. Yeah, I give it a three. Yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm going to be lenient. I'll give it a light three. It wasn't horrendous where I feel like I have to warn people to stay away from this movie. Like so. this movie's not great, but you know, you could do worse than this. If it's on TV, whatever. It is absolutely forgettable, but it's not like offensive. In yeah, it's way. very middle of the road. I yeah. probably wouldn't watch it again. You're done? This is it. This is the second time I've seen it only. And it's been like, what, 10 years? And you were kind of forced into it, right? I mean, you, you wouldn't have voluntarily. No, Joel, actually, to everybody listening to this, you may not know this, but Joel is a member of the NRA and he holds a gun to my head every episode. <laughs> like like there's a gun being put to put to the side of my temple right Get now to work. As, as, as we're recording this. Shut up. <laughs> Review this movie. <laughs> All right, guys, um, we got some voicemails about this movie. I'll play them for you right now. To listen to your messages, press 1. Hey, guys, uh, you know me. So, The Mummy. It kind of was a bad movie, but you know what? I really enjoyed watching it anyway. It was a Brendan Fraser film, and he's so funny to watch, even when he played the pretend Sergeant Slaughter in the G.I. Joe film, directed by that same guy who directed The Mummy. And plus, it was like Rachel Weisz when she was still young and sexy. I'm kidding. I take that back. She still is. But yeah, no, no. The movie, the movie was very enjoyable. I don't care how bad it was. Hey guys, Sam from Oak Hill. Thought Brandon Fraser was pretty, worked pretty well as an action hero, considering he wasn't playing complete doofus like he usually does. He and Rachel Weisz had a, I thought, good chemistry. Hi, my name is Crystal. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm calling to review The Mummy. This movie wasn't that bad if you didn't actually sit there and pick apart the details. But once you sat there, you're sitting there going, okay, so they brought this hot chick along because she can read hieroglyphics, but they give her a book, and then the first thing she reads in it is, oh, maybe you shouldn't read it, so what does she decide to do? I'm going to read passages of it out loud. Not only that, but then you got Brandon Fraser being this weird alpha dog sort of character where before that you've seen him in movies where he's just like, I don't know, small and weaselly. It was just the weirdest movie for me, and, you know, the effects were great, and the guy who played Imhotep was pretty awesome, but, oh, the scene where he kisses, uh, whatever her name is, the lead role, that chick with the annoying British voice, oh, you can see his tongue, and it's all sandy, ugh. I'd give this movie like a three, but that's just for nostalgia value because, oh, that, oh, the mummy kiss, that, that just killed it for me. Hey, it's Jenny from Connecticut. I don't have some weird little death jam poetry slam thing to do like JV, but here I am talking about the mummy. So, um, I was young when it came out. I don't remember what year it came out, but I was young and I loved it. It was amazing. I was in love with Brendan Fraser. Totally regret that crush, but, it was really good, like the way the jaw just goes to completely ridiculous lengths and the way the sand looked. Um, of course, that got ruined with two sequels. But uh, yeah, I love The Mummy. I hope you guys love it too. I'm not going to watch it again because it'll just ruin it for me. Thanks. End of new messages. Thanks for those voicemails, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Now, oddly enough, this week, we generated a ton of listener responses here. I don't, I don't know why, but... I guess everybody wanted to. Talk about the mummy, yeah. but uh, let me get to these as fast as I can. Okay. Grant writes in and says, Hello, gentlemen. I had watched... I had watched your episode. That's, that's possible. That's impossible. Wait, 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 wait. Are you sure he didn't open up his mind's eye? <laughs> oh, okay. That's possible. <laughs> 
Okay, Grant writes in and says, Hello, gentlemen. I listened to your episode on Showgirls, and it got me thinking. After Elizabeth Berkeley said goodbye to her friend after she took vengeance by beating up the rock star that raped that girl, you forgot to say that she also went to Gina Gershon's hospital room, and the two made up their differences and then landed a steamy lesbian kiss. Which makes me ask you two the question. Do you have any favorite kissing scenes on film? Oh, it's gotta be Spider-Man 1. <laughs> That's right where my head went to. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so like inappropriate and awkward. I liked it in Scott Pilgrim when he kisses Ramona and he's like playing the bass in the background. That's pretty good. I'm trying to like think like what I want in a kissing scene. <laughs> like what am I, do I want to be romantic? <laughs> do I want it to be exciting? Tender. Yeah, do I, do I want to feel something? Oh, the end of Shawshank Redemption when Morgan Freeman kisses uh, Tim Robbins when they get to the boat. Oh, is that what happens at the end in your mind? In your, <laughs> mind, in your mind's eyes, is that what you want it to happen? Wait, that's not what happens? <laughs> I don't remember that. I've yeah, seen I don't the end of that movie about a thousand times. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Some deleted scenes. All right, moving on. Uh, Marty writes in and says, I just heard your whiteout vantage point episode. Whichever one of you hates time crimes, I want to high five you through the internet. That movie was awful. That was you. <laughs> Absolutely. I hate that. And Joel, like I've said this on multiple occasions in this podcast, you have this like sick fascination <laughs> with macabre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with these like time, time related, time jumping, replaying movies and I think I cannot uh, tell a lie on this is, is, that movie like Time Crime is a little biased yeah yeah, 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 biased. yeah. If, if if I didn't like that genre so much I probably wouldn't like Time Crimes as much as I do but by the way Time Crimes is like a three you know if you, if you want a, something similar like that go see uh, Triangle or something that's better anyway hey guys so yesterday I was thinking about Dennis Quaid and his famous acting style <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to spend your time <laughs> I was thinking about it pondering Quaid I realized that as bad as as a movie is, if Dennis Quaid is in it, I tend to give the movie a higher rating than I would if Dennis Quaid had not been in it. <laughs> so what do you... I agree with him, though, because I do the exact same thing. <laughs> like, the movie's like a one, I'll give it like a four. <laughs> yeah, that was Margaret. Kevin, you, you have some strong feelings about Dennis Quaid, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Quaid fan. Of course. I own the rookie. Of course you do. <laughs> okay, and, and finally, I saved the best for last. Hey, guys, my name is Margaret, and I just recently discovered your awesome podcast podcast and I'm now addicted to it. In one of the podcasts, it was mentioned that you wanted to know where your fans were from. I don't know if there is a time limit to this request, but just in case you guys are still interested, I am from Chile and have lived here my whole life, though I was born in the United States. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. Hope you guys are doing well, Margaret. P.S. What inspired you, Joel, Kevin, and Martin to start this podcast? Yeah, what do you think of that? Wow, Chile. Yeah, not bad. Pretty sweet. Okay, so long story short, very short, hopefully, I wanted to make YouTube videos, but then I realized that that was really hard, you know. <laughs> I was then I realized I was not qualified to do that in any At way. <laughs> yeah, like I bought all this gear to make these videos. I was using my digital camera to, to take the video, and it looked like crap. So I bought a camcorder, and then the audio from the camcorder sounded horrible. So I was like, I, I need microphones. So for Christmas, I go to my brother, hey man, buy me this very specific microphone that I wanted. It was a USB mic. So my brother, being a musician, he he comes back on Christmas morning and he has this this mic 
mic that I have in front of me hey, instead. Cut it out. <laughs> and this microphone, I, I look at it and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I wanted a USB mic. Like, where, where are the cables? <laughs> I, I go, where are the cables? He's like, oh, you, you gotta buy them. I'm like, what? He's like, thanks a lot, bro. I'm like, I'm like, where are the wires? You gotta buy them. I'm like, how do, how do I connect to the computer? Oh, you gotta buy a mixing board. <laughs> what? I was like, wait a minute, do, do I hold up the microphone in my hand? I'm like, no, you gotta buy a stand. Oh, and you gotta buy a pop filter. I'm like, what is that? The best is you're like, you're like, you want you want to go have and have me? I'm like, absolutely not. I will pay for none of this. <laughs> yeah, so he cursed me with this microphone. And I just wanted to make a stupid YouTube video. He also he also cursed you with Behringer. Yeah, Behringer equipment. <laughs> they were stuck with it. <laughs> Yeah, so I bought all this stupid gear, and I made, like, two or three of these videos, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was so hard. <laughs> and it wasn't even complicated, like, the stuff that I made. It was, like, stupid. And so now I have all this equipment, <laughs> and I'm like, I might as well put this to use. Like, I listen to podcasts all the time, like, movie podcasts, and me and Martin and Kevin, like, we, we're always talking about movies, like, constantly, obsessively. <laughs> Like, like, I remember the one time, like, I called you on the phone, and, and like, we talked about some, st whatever the hell movie, for, like, an hour. Yeah, just an hour straight. Of, like, it's, like, it's like, wow, I should have recorded that. <laughs> that was pretty good. But, like, like when whenever we go to the movies, <laughs> we'll, like, like afterwards, oh, yeah, after after we pull a trade secret and jump <laughs> jump to, like, ten, ten different movies. <laughs> We we always ended up going to like a diner, hang out at like yeah. one of our apartments afterwards, and just talk about the movie for like two or three hours. And I, I don't think that that's an odd thing. I think a lot more people do that. Than Which I think is why people like this show is because that's the kind of vibe that we give off, like that you know, just hanging around. Yeah, we'll talking go about the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much how much did it enrage us? <laughs> Yeah, so that's pretty much uh, how this podcast came to be. And if you're wondering how it is that we came to review movies that are Rotten and Rotten Tomatoes and like why we do bad movies instead of good movies, is because the first movie we did was The Unborn. The only reason we did The Unborn is because I had it. I bought it for a dollar. I hadn't seen it. Well, like, and I just picked it. And I was just watch this. Not only that, I, I think... It worked out in our favor as well because, like, a lot of movies, like, we went on, like, a DVD shopping spree, especially you, Joel. You our local blockbuster went out of business, and I bought 80 movies for a dollar a pop, and like, they're all sitting in a box in my apartment. We have this running joke where, like, a blockbuster's going to go out of business, and we're going to roll out of, like, cart. a shopping cart and just start pushing <laughs> movies into <laughs> Like a lot of the movies that we watched in the beginning of the show, they all they came out of that box, like The Uninvited, The yeah, Unborn, yeah, all that yeah, crap. Yeah. Anyway, so we, we watched The Unborn. It was a lot of fun to bash it. Then we watched Bad Lieutenant, which was a real movie, and that wasn't that much fun to talk about. No, it's boring to talk about because there there wasn't as much to really pick apart. Yeah. Um, and then we watched The Uninvited, and that was a lot more fun than The right, Unborn. Right. So that that's when we figured out on the format of the show was episode three. I really wish we didn't figure it out because yeah, we really cursed ourselves. We really cursed ourselves. Watch these crappy movies because, like, now I don't know if you feel this way, but now that we've been doing this for a long time, I feel like I'm as far as like watching movies and actually understanding like what their merits are. I would prefer to watch good movies and pick out like their artistic merits and talk about that, like, actually talk about the ideas that are portrayed in the movie than this like, pick, pick apart, pick apart this piece of shit of, from, from like the mummy, like, acid farts in their face. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. Like, <laughs> I was trying to keep that short. But <laughs> that's kind of spiraled out of control. <laughs> 
All right, great. All right, so let's read the question of the week. Uh oh, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad.com. So let's read some of the questions of the week. And the question of the week was if you had the jumper powers to teleport, what would you do with them? Miles writes in and he says, uh, if I had the ability to teleport, I'll jumper. I would probably start off by getting Robert Mugabe and Kim Jong Il and dropping them into some extremely unpleasant location, like the nastiest parts of each other's countries. Anonymous writes in and says, "I would teleport to the local mall, advising shoppers to go see a more critically acclaimed film at their theater instead of seeing an <laughs> awful movie." I wish they were planning to do. JB said, "You need to teleport for that." <laughs> yeah, you just you can just do that now. <laughs> JB said, "If I could teleport, I would get a fake address in LA, get a job there." but live in the Midwest, low cost of living. Huh. That's Very practical. practical. Yeah. That's the most practical application of a mo- of the most extraordinary, <laughs> extraordinary gift that you can be given. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Chris says, I could teleport by ordering some of my favorite foods at numerous fast food places, and then I would eat them one by one after I took a break. What? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Crystal writes in and says, If I could teleport, I would use the ability to become a master magician. Who can reproduce your tricks? You could be the world's next Houdini. Listen, I'll tell you who reproduced your tricks. Hugh Jackman. Prestige. <laughs> He'll do it. Ben writes in and says, If I could teleport, I would become the greatest bullfighter in the history of the world. Olay. That's clever. Thanks for those responses, guys. After this week's question of the week, once again, we threw it out to our Facebook friends to come up with a question for this week. And uh, the winner was Michael. Michael writes in and says, How about the most uncomfortable movie you have ever watched with your mummy or daddy. I got one. What about, how about you? Yeah, I, I got one. What about you, Kev? Yeah, actually, I just thought of one. All right, go ahead. Mine is Man on the Moon. There were some breastuses in that movie, which were unexpected. Your mommy was there? And I, I saw that movie with my mom in the theater. Okay. And I was, I was kind of young at that point, so that was a little uncomfortable. I want to say Braveheart. There was a sex scene in that movie, and it involved Mel Gibson, which made it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, my mom drew drew attention to it. She's like, oh, my God, Martin turn this off and but she was talking to my father my dad was in the room as well and like me my brother and my sister were in there and my mom's like oh my god turn this off and she like jumped up and like covered the screen with her body <laughs> and, like, I'm like oh man like, I got up and left the room it was really uncomfortable that's my move by the way whenever some crazy uncomfortable thing comes in a movie I just get up and walk out I don't say anything <laughs> I'm just like I'm out of here yeah as for me my choice would be the one time I watched Enemy at the Gates with my dad and uh <laughs> She was all forced to be like rapes or has sex with uh, Rachel Weiss in like this dirty bunker while all these people are like laying next to them while they're, it's, it's so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, that's my choice. So what's the most uncomfortable movie or scene that you had to watch with when your parents were in the room? Head on over to yesthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce the choices for the next listener's choice poll. And because October is upon us, I guess we'll, we'll watch a bunch of Halloween-y, scary movies for the remainder of the month. How's that sound to you? Joel, you know that I'm easily spooked. Yeah, I know. You love your horror movies. You love your J-horror, I might recall. I, I can't get enough J-horror. You're right. Yeah, okay. So, the choices are for the poll. There's no rhyme or reason for this one. So, House of Wax starring Paris Hilton versus... It's not starring her. Starring Paris Hilton right, versus well. 
See No Evil, starring Kane from the WWE. All right, so their choices are House of Wax versus See No Evil. As for next week's movie, we will be watching the amazing hit Resident Evil, starring Mila Jovovich. Of Fifth Element fame? Exactly. <laughs> Lilu. Multipass. <laughs> to recap, head on over to yesibad.com where you can vote in the poll for either House of Wax or See No Evil. And tune in next week when we'll be watching Resident Evil. If you've already seen Resident Evil, give us a call at 973-797-9324. Give us a call, give us a little mini review, and we will play it on the show. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please head on over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash yesthatbad. Click the like button. Doing that that helps spread the word of the show to your friends. And you can follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. And you can also listen to our show on your non-iPhone device via Stitcher. You can get that at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next time. Hey, Ken, what would you do with the jumper powers? I feel like this is one of the situations where, like, you could project yourself into it, but until you actually had it, you I don't feel like you have any way of knowing actually what you would do with it. Joel would just be in and out of girls' locker rooms. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, how I would do. stop. Yeah, yeah, the, the teleporting <laughs> masturbator. That, that's me. <laughs> You're that's, joking. That's what I get known as. <laughs> Joel teleports. And then Ray's about to... He just jumps. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture you jumping in like a bathrobe. Like, over the front. Like, back. Right check, check it out, girls. <laughs> yeah, the flying masturbator. That's, that's me. <laughs> You're masturbating, jumping like down like a skyscraper in all the windows. <laughs> Trying to work. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it was a 